This is uh, KFI Handle here on a momentous Thursday. Oh, my goodness, the kind of news. What a week it's been. Right? We have uh, the uh, president welcoming uh, three of the American prisoners from North Korea. The announcement this morning that the meeting is going to play, uh, the meeting between Kim Jong-un and the president is going to take place, what, June 12th? June 12th in Singapore. In Singapore. Uh, Gina Haspel yesterday uh, in front of the uh, Senate and her nomination to be CIA directors, uh, the director, and uh, news that uh, broke this morning, and that is Israel, or yesterday, I think, it was Israel launching a massive military strike against Iranian targets in Syria. Now, uh, yesterday, or the day before, we ta- actually it was the day before, we talked about the president, the aftermath of the president pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal. And, of course, everybody was anticipating. We've gone through the politics of that. Uh, the Our allies in Europe uh, said, please don't, please don't. You had uh, Angela Merkel come to the United States. You had Macron, who actually was the poster boy of the European Union, begging Donald Trump not to get out of the deal. Donald Trump, of course, from the day he started campaigning, talked about how the Iran nuclear deal was just a piece of crap and it's one of the worst deals ever. Couldn't agree more. He's right about that. But the Europeans, and at that time, President Obama said, hey, this is the best we can do. And so what Iran has done is, from the most is most part, is adhere to the treaty or adhere to the, the agreement. Okay. And the president says, we don't care. If it's such a bad deal, we're out. And then there's a lot of politics. Abrogating agreements, uh, trust, is Kim Jong-un going to trust the president because he's willing to undo any kind of a deal? So anyways, there is uh, all of that. We've gone through it, and we probably will again as the story pans out. However, two countries backed President Trump, and I mean really backed President Trump. Certainly uh, certainly Israel, and uh, Saudi Arabia did too. It's uh, because Saudi Arabia is genuinely frightened of what Iran wants to do. And should be, because Iran certainly wants a theocracy over that entire Middle East where it's going to implant uh, its own brand of Islam. Not interested in anybody else's. I mean, that's what happens uh, in that part of the world. They're kind of nuts when it comes to religion. Really, Handel? Yeah, really. And so Israel comes out and backs the president after Netanyahu, the prime minister, has been begging the United States to get out of that deal. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons Netanyahu hated Barack Obama was because, number one, he cut the deal in the first place. And number two, Barack Obama wanted to be uh, more neutral. The United States considers itself as a neutral party, as a peace broker in Israel, uh, between the Palestinians and Israelis. Let me tell you what a neutral power is in that part of the world when it comes to the Palestinians in the United States. We back up Israel. We give them arms. We loan them money. We share all the intelligence in the world. We're best friends. We're family members, but we're neutral. And the Palestinians are going, what are you you talking about? You're going to broker a a peace? Are you crazy? So Netanyahu, uh, because Barack Obama wouldn't go in that direction, Netanyahu hates Barack Obama. I mean, that was probably the worst relations between a president and, and, and a prime minister of Israel in years. Okay. This is all as a setup to what's going on. I just want to give you a lot of backstory. So the president bails out of the Iran nuclear nuclear deal as against the wishes of everybody else involved. And we're talking uh, all of the European Union, China, uh, and it's uh, and the United States is part of it. Russia is part of it. 
And it uh, turns out that Israel says, good, good, good. is something we've been pushing for. Now, Iran, of course, goes berserk. Although, I have to tell you, at this point, uh, Rouhani, the president, didn't even say, that's it. We're going balls to the wall. The deal is off. We are now moving forward full blast with our military, with our nuclear military program. He didn't do that. He says, we're still going to keep the deal open because we have to figure out what the rest of the world, rest of Europe is going to do with their signatories. So, what did I say a couple, three days ago? That... Even though the Iranians are pissed off at the United States, of course, because it's the United States that abrogated. And what Israel did is, thank goodness you abrogated who was going to get hit by Iran. It's going to be Israel. Israel is going to get hit. Like I talked about the first Gulf War, Israel had nothing to do with that war. Stayed out of it. And at the same time, Israel got hit first thing. The first missiles went into Israel. Now, that's exactly what happened. Is Israel, uh, other than pushing the president, and by the way, uh, how much influence do you think Israel has on a Donald Trump? How much influence do you think anybody has on a Donald Trump? Now, there are plenty of very powerful Jewish interests in the United States. When people say, oh, the Jewish lobby is uh, the most powerful lobby in the country, you know, all the uh, people that are anti-Israel and and I'll even say the anti-Semites go beyond uh, that. Although, you know, anti-Israel doesn't necessarily mean anti-Semitic. Who have always said one of the most powerful lobbies in the United States is the Jewish lobby. They're right! They're absolutely right. It's a powerful, powerful lobby. And they are, so you would think they have a lot of influence, and they do, on administrations other than Donald Trump's. No one influences Donald Trump. So, what do the Iranians do? Well, Iran has, uh, in Syria, it's basically preempted Syria. Iran has come in, it's a proxy war. And if you look at the military installations, especially in the northern part of Syria, they're all Iranian. They're run by Iranians. The military, uh, the installations were uh, given to Syria or the place there by the Iranians. Effectively, it's the Iranian army that's there, without it being the country of Iran, and that's in quotes. And so they unload the missiles. They start from the Golan Heights, which was taken by Israel in 1967, because during the uh, Israeli war, the War of Independence, Syria had the Golan Heights right up until 1967. And what they and that overlooks uh, Israel. And you go to there and you see, boy, that's a great place to be if you're fighting, because you can just unload missiles into the valley. And Israel took it in 1967 and said, we're not giving that up because we're too vulnerable. So what happened is you now have the Iranians unloading missiles into the Golan Heights. And what are they thinking? What the hell is Iran thinking? Because one of the things about Israel is this is they're more Trump than Trump. When you talk about fighting back. You attack us, we attack you tenfold. You unload missiles on our country, we're going to unload a lot more on yours. Why would they do that? I'm going to give you an example when we come back because history tells us over and over again, you don't do that. 
because politically it makes no sense, militarily it makes no sense, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of what happened when we come back. And this is all, uh, and this is playing out now. It's real time. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and uh, your chance to win a thousand. KFI handle here on a uh, Thursday. Here is your chance to win some cash. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Winners notified with a phone call. You've got to answer it. Leif in Moreno Valley did, and he won $1,000. There's a chance to win Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right. Uh, yesterday, uh, amongst all the other big news, the return of the Korean prisoners, uh, the Gina, Gina Haspel, uh, the, uh, her hearings as uh, the nominee for running the CIA to become CIA director. Uh, there was an attack made against Israel from Iran, uh, from the Golan Heights, which is Syria. But these were Iranian military installations. And uh, as I said just uh, in the last segment, uh, and I had said this earlier, as soon as the deal was abrogated, as soon as President, Bush, uh, President Trump said, we're cutting, we're uh, uh, killing that deal, Israel was going to be attacked. Even though Israel, even though it pushed and pushed and pushed for the United States to bail out, this was Trump's decision. And so they can't attack us. God forbid Iran launching an attack from us. Where are they going to do it? From Toronto? Where are they going to do it? From Baja? So, of course, the default is Israel. And I got to tell you, I don't know why the hell they do that. What do they get to, have to gain on this one? Uh, and I know that there are some deep-seated issues, but just on a practical level, what do they have to gain? So you've got uh, missile sites in Syria that are controlled by the Iranians, even manned by Iranians. And they start unloading missiles into the Golan Heights. And incidentally, I think, uh, what was there, was 20 launched 20 missiles, and according to Israel, uh, I think four uh, actually were on target. The rest just fell, they did no damage. So they, they can figure out, technology can figure out where missiles are going. And those four were taken down by uh, Israel interceptors. Uh, I think it's anti-missile missiles, or uh, they were done by the fighter jets. And uh, so there's the attack. No one, no one killed. And Israel says, and it always does, we're going to go back. We retaliate. Here's the philosophy. You don't screw with us. You hit us, and we're going to hit you right back. So Israel goes ahead and retaliates. And it takes out virtually every single Iranian military installation in Syria. Just takes it out. So now, what do you have? You have Israel uh, that is has... I guess reduce the threat from missile sites. And uh, what does Syria do? What does Assad do? Because he had the Iranians protecting his regime with these installations. So at this point, does Iran decide to attack Israel using uh, Syrian forces? I mean, what, what good is it going to be, especially... When Israel, in this case, didn't have much to do with this other than pushing, pushing, pushing the administration to kill the deal. And I am now, and incidentally, uh, the attack from Israel onto Syria obviously is far, far more effective 
than the Iranian uh, military, the, the Iranian missiles onto the Golan Heights, onto Israel. Just doesn't work that way. Let's go back to 2014 when Gaza, Hamas, was stupid enough to kidnap three Israeli teenagers and murder them. And their bodies were found uh, tortured. And so Israel comes back and arrests, I think, 300, 600 Palestinians, 300 Palestinians, throws them in jail. And then Hamas starts unloading missiles into Israel from Gaza. What were they thinking? You're going to really, from Gaza, launch missiles into Israel? So there was the 50-day war. Thousands of uh, citizens of Gaza were killed. Thousands of Palestinians. Half a million people were displaced. 100,000 homes were wiped out. Power structure gone. They're still dealing with it, incidentally. This is four years later. They haven't even come close to rebuilding those properties. You don't do this. Unless you're prepared to go all-out war. And when you go all-out war with the Israelis, let me tell you, it's a big, big deal. They did it in 1948. Well, uh, that was when Israel declared uh, its independence. It was a miracle that Israel even survived. Uh, 1967, when Nasser decided, or 56, when Nasser decided to close the Suez Canal. And uh, Israel and the French were just kicking the crap out of, uh, out of uh, Egypt. And it took President Eisenhower to, to basically tell Israel, you stop it, and you stop it right now. 1967, of course, you know about the Six-Day War. 1973, 1973 was the closest of Israel really, really getting nailed. But the cost of attacking Israel is astronomical. But you know what helps the, uh, the, helps the Arab countries when they attack Israel? The world turns to Israel and says disproportionate, disproportionate uh, violence. You can't do that. If three Israelis are killed by a missile attack, all you can do is kill three Palestinians. If they launch four missiles, all you can do is launch four missiles back. Ah, no. It doesn't work that way. You launch three, we launch 300. You damage one of our military installations, we wipe out yours. Which is exactly what happened. So now... We're looking at the politics of this. I'm not hearing a lot from Europe uh, this time around about the disproportionate force that was used. Maybe because it's all military. I mean, there were some civilians killed. And, of course, uh, what you get from uh, the uh, the Arab countries is we've wiped out Israel. We've taken them out. We killed uh, – Tel Aviv is no longer around. I mean, that's just the way they roll. Okay, uh, coming up. The Gitmo art controversy. There's some very serious good art coming out of Gitmo. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. In the United States, uh, the Pentagon is not pleased with this at all. And I'll return with that. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Handle. Big day. Oh, to say the least. And the morning crew... Uh, uh, In the news, top trending and insanely important is uh, President yesterday welcoming home uh, three American prisoners from uh, North Korea. 
Gina Haspel, it looks like she's going to be confirmed uh, after the hearing yesterday in front of the Senate, which was so contentious. Uh, Israel striking uh, Syria, the Iranian uh, missile installations in Syria, after uh, those were uh, the missiles went into Israel in the Golan Heights. President just announcing, uh, of course, Israel has a right to defend itself. So uh, the United States naturally being on Israel's side. Also, before we get to Gitmo, uh, I'm asking you to please donate to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California. For a $400 donation, you and a guest can enjoy cocktails and appetizers with all the KFI hosts and crew, plus unlimited sky slide rides during an exclusive e- evening at the beautiful OUE Skyscape, uh, Sky Space in downtown LA. You have to be 21 or older. 100% of the pro- proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross. Get prepared, California. Limited tickets for details, log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word mixer. All right. Uh, Gitmo. I, I've always loved Gitmo. Uh, the entire uh, concept of uh, of Gitmo. Uh, as you know, it's an American military base in Cuba that was established after the Spanish-American War. I mean, we're going back to 1898. And it still belongs to Cuba. I mean, this is Cuban land. Did you know that? And what the United States does is lease the land from Cuba in perpetuity. And do you have any idea how much it costs per year to lease Gitmo? Here's a little obscure fact. $4,000 a year. Remember, this was cut in, uh, this was cut 120 years ago. $4,000 a year in gold. Well, today you can replace gold with uh, real money or actually hard currency, uh, which Cuba is part of this international agreement that everybody does. And every year, $4,000 handed to Cuba. Every year, they refuse to accept the money. Because obviously Cuba is wants to abrogate that treaty, but what is Cuba going to do? Attack Gitmo? Okay, so uh, just a couple of facts uh, about Gitmo, which is uh, so much fun. And that is the fact that uh, it costs about uh, $455 million a year to keep uh, the prison open for 41 people. And if you remember, uh, the first thing President Obama did, he was going to sign, the first order he was going to sign was closing down Gitmo. It's still open. And the president just signed another order. It just keeps on going and going. Oh, actually, the U.S. leased the Cuban, uh, the uh, the Gitmo uh, Treaty in 1903. I was off by four years on that. It officially opened in 2002. We're talking about the prison for the terrorists. And ever since then, uh, it has been where we house uh, the terrorists that we don't try here or not returned. It's sort of no place to go if we've captured them or people send them to us. And at its height, it housed 780 prisoners. By the way, the most famous one, remember Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the 9-11 mastermind? Uh, He was held for years, never charged, uh, being cleared and released. Okay, so why am I bringing up Gitmo? Well, art. Because one of the things that happens uh, that the prisoners are allowed to you to do is create art. Now, are they given artist supplies? Not really. They make them out of cardboard and T-shirts and prayer caps, uh, plastic housing that contains razors, glue. They use mops. Those These prisoners create this art. 
And I have to tell you, some of it is gorgeous. I mean, this is very, very talented stuff. And we have about a dozen examples on the website, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Everything from models to paintings. Uh, go to KFIAM640.com, and the keyword is handle. We have them on our page. So they're allowed to make their art. Now, it gets uh, a little crazy because uh, lawyers uh, can take these art, the attorneys for the prisoners can take the art out if they are gifts to their families or the lawyers themselves. But it's not easy to do because it has to be approved by the military that's running Gitmo, and it is a long process. Each piece has to be searched, scanned, x-rayed, analyzed for any hidden message. And if you're building a nice model, uh, there are a lot of nooks and crannies. You can put little tiny things. If you're making a painting, if you're doing a painting, uh, there's a, maybe there's a little squiggle in the right-hand corner that makes no sense. They go, is that, is that code? So they start questioning. And once uh, the it's been determined there are no hidden messages, it's stamped with approved by U.S. forces. Then the attorneys for the prisoners can take them out. Last year, the lawyers for eight detainees took out art. Four have since been cleared, released from Gitmo. Four still there. And about 30 pieces of art were taken to New York to uh, for an ex- exhibition called Ode to the Sea Beyond the Walls of Guantanamo Bay. Ode to the Sea. So Gitmo overlooks the ocean And, of course, uh, the prisoners get to view this and become part of art. No, the tarps block their view. They can't see the ocean at all. They actually are blocked by tarps. So they sort of pretend it's out there. So this exhibit ran for three months, and it really pissed off the U.S. government. So what does the government do? Now there's a legal case going on. And what is it? Who owns the art? Because of this exhibit, which, of course, backs up uh, the philosophy. If you look at this exhibit, it can be interpreted that you have prisoners that are suffering, and uh, not specifically as to Gitmo, but just the suffering of people in general. And it's it's very moving art. And the government does not want that. So uh, all art is uh, now done. All transfers of art out of Gitmo finished. And uh, it is now the sole property of the U.S. government. And once those are approved for release, then the art is destroyed. Yep, there's a law case going on. God, I love this, don't you? But you really have to see the art. That's what this is about. So go to KFIAM640.com and you'll see what prisoners without supplies can do. It's pretty impressive stuff. All right, coming up, uh, the mental health at Cal State University's by the campuses, and that's a big deal. KFI AM. KFI Handle here on a uh, Thursday, May 10th. And as we finish the show, some of the top stories that we are covering, and they're trending like crazy, and of course, they're, it's huge. Uh, the president welcomed home three American prisoners from North Korea. Uh, Mike Pompeo is now dealing with our allies in Europe regarding the Israeli war uh, planes yesterday bombing the hell out of Iran-linked military facilities in Syria after Israeli positions were attacked. 
Uh, Gina Haspel, probably going to be confirmed, virtually yes, uh, as uh, the CIA director. It's just, oh, so much going on. All right, so I want to switch gears a little bit and not talk about the huge news, although this is huge if you happen to have all kinds of mental problems or you have a kid that's going to school. Uh, The average time to see a counselor at Cal State Long Beach is three weeks. So let's say you have some big mental problems going on. I'm about to sneeze. Yes, success. Now, when you need someone very quickly, uh, you want to see a counselor right now. Three weeks, you have to wait, which can be a long time. Long Beach, by the way, uh, Cal State uh, Long Beach, uh, it's more than double that. So now you're talking six weeks. Why is that? Well, because students have a lot of more mental health problems. And why is that? Well, a couple of reasons, I think. Uh, First of all, uh, the stigma of mental illness or emotional problems has, for the most part, gone away. I mean, you know, we all admit that we're all crazy and it's fine. Also, it's being it's much, much more difficult to be a student now than it was when I was in school. Uh, The costs weren't astronomical. You didn't go into debt. It would take you half a lifetime to pay it off. Uh, It wasn't as competitive. I mean, today it's crazy competitive. It's uh, people start with their kids in kindergarten. Literally, when my kids were in kindergarten and we were looking, we, we with a bunch of other parents were looking for school. The, the, one of the factors the parents were considering was how academic is kindergarten or preschool in terms of preparing kids for college? But five-year-olds? Yes. They're that crazy. So when you look at all of this, uh, universities across the country have, uh, of course, had an increase in the uh, the need for mental health facilities. And while they're increasing, ain't keeping up. It really doesn't keep up. So well, how do you fix that? Well, back we go to uh, we've got to spend some more money. Got to figure out how to pay for it because that's always the magic. And this is California where uh, you have the legislature And when any of them die, any of these Democrats die, the tombstone is going to read, I've never met a tax program I didn't like. So what do they want to do? They want to add more counselors. There's a bill in the works, by the way, uh, SB 968, winding its way through the state Senate, and then it goes over to the assembly. And would require all California state university and community colleges, the campuses to have a ratio of one mental health professional for every 1,500 students. Long Beach is double that. Other campuses are more than that. So, I mean, everybody's thrilled. No question about it. It went through uh, the committee uh, unanimously, uh, but that's the mental health committee. See, now it goes to the Ways and Means Committee. And then Ways and Means Committee, they're the ones that figure out how to pay for all this, which is, incidentally, if you're chair of the Ways and Means Committee, that's probably, other than speaker, is probably, an, or President Pro Tem of the Senate, we're talking California now, is probably the second most powerful position of any legislature in the state because that committee controls the money. And the committee chair controls the committee. So getting through ways and means is not going to be easy. But is it going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. Why is this? Because this is California. That's why. And the programs, you know, I don't even know if those stats. So Alex, we should look that up. Does California have more entitlement programs 
government-funded mental health programs, food programs, subsidy programs, education programs, in which money, art programs, in which money is being given, parks programs, uh, enhanced art programs, I'm willing to guess that it's more than any other state. And that's no surprise. So here's another one. And incidentally, tell me this is not needed. You know, we don't need housing for the homeless. We don't need homeless programs. We don't need this. In the end, there's two things that control here. Number one, the fact that infrastructure, for example, that's simply misspending money over the decades and decades because it's not the legislator's money. It's our money. So what the hell do they care? You know, if you were in charge of your neighbor's money, is it the same as yours? Of course not, especially when there's no fallout if you screw it up. So uh, the fact is that there's never enough money with new programs that have to be paid for and with the fact that existing programs that should have been paid for, there's no money to do it. So is this going to go? Of course it's going to go. Of course, there'll be some tax. You know, they'll figure something out. They'll move money around. And if not, if they don't have the money, it's like our 12 cents uh, a gallon tax. If you, don't run, if you run out of money and you need uh, the infrastructure, you just throw up some kind of a tax. All right. Gary, what's going on? Well, I don't have to ask what's going on. Just tell me what's going on. That's an ask. Uh, uh, Same thing. Okay. I get it. Well done. Did yes. someone write that out for you? Yes, I did. I'm, I have it written right uh, here. Do you remember Officer Keith Boyer when he was killed by this admitted of gang course. member? The yeah. county came Mejia. up with a, a plan. Mejia. Uh, the, it, Mejia. The county came up with a plan to try to figure out, did all of our uh, prison overcrowding reduction problems, uh, the bills that were passed, the new policies that were in place, did all of those add up to... This guy being out and being able to kill Officer Keith Boyer. So what you're saying, it, it may not be SB 109. AB 109. It's That's not, what I meant. It's not as simple as that, but yep. there's a whole series of things that went wrong, uh, and all of them are potentially changeable. Uh, Justin Warsham is going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to be talking about why and how summer camps are good for your kids. You went to summer camp a lot, didn't you? And my kids went to summer camp. Yeah, it wasn't good for them. Uh, and then they came gra- back. They came back a mess. This new trend of Grammy and Pop Pop taking over their kids, uh, their grandkids, having to basically adopt them or foster them because of the huge opioid epidemic that's uh, got us in its grip. All right, a lot going on with Gary and Shannon. Also, it is uh, a handle on the law day, and I'm taking legal questions off the air for future broadcasts starting in just a moment. I'll do it for an hour. You can call me at 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150, marginal legal advice, starting in just a moment. Oh, good good sneeze, good cough. Thank you. Sneeze, cough, whatever. Maeha, not Mejia, right? Mejia. Yeah, him too, all three of them. You've lived in Southern California. I know, you I just can't pronounce. You speak Portuguese. Uh, that's not Spanish. Because, in, but you know, you, wait, wait a second, in Portuguese, you know what that be, how that would be pronounced? Mejia. Mejia. Maesia. Uh, if you ask the him J, in Portuguese. I'm just telling No, no, no. The J's are pronounced J's. It's a soft J. I'll give you Portuguese lessons later on. Thank God. All right. Well, uh, bon dia. Gary and Shannon coming up. Have a bueno show. Thank you, sir. KFI AM 640.